You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. People pay good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Everyone pretend podcasting isn't boring. Turn it off. Für diesen The Wild Stallions. Let's rock! When your wives suggested couples therapy, do you think that this is what they had in mind? Definitely. I mean, we're a couple of couples, right? Bill, Ted, enough of the delusions. You didn't time travel, and you didn't go to heaven and hell. Here's a real idea for you. Be role models to your daughters. Get real jobs. Bill, we've spent our whole life trying to unite the world. And I'm tired, dude. Ted, we have a destiny to fulfill. Greetings, my excellent friends. We have a problem. Step forward. A song created by Preston Logan performed tonight will save reality as we know it. Oh. Dude, we better write that song now. Or why can't we just go to the future when we have written it? And take it from ourselves. Except, won't that be stealing? Cheers! <laughs> How is that stealing? If we're stealing it from ourselves, dude. Dude, our dads are totally in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. We should help them out. How's it going, Bill and Ted? We're putting together a most extraordinary band. Hey, you want to be in our band? Oh. <laughs> oh, this is so fantastic. We're going to go talk to Death. Is he playing hopscotch by himself? Dude, he's cheating. Hey, Death. Why, for this and the wild stallions. Let's rock! Party on, dudes. Yeah, Billy, dance. How you doing? Well, you know, we're dead and we're in hell. But how you doing? We're good. good. Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. I am your host, Mike White. On this episode, I spoke with Amy Stotch, who played Missy, I mean Mom, in the Bill and Ted films. She's revisiting the role of Missy after three decades? It's kind of wild that these movies have been part of my life for quite a while, and definitely part of hers, and hopefully they'll be part of yours as well. Go ahead, enjoy the interview, and enjoy Bill and Ted Face the Music. I used to watch 
Star Search when you were on it. I'm very curious how you got involved in that. What was the the process to get on there, and and how was actually being on Star Search? Star Search was great. Star Search was the Kickstarter of my career here in Los Angeles. I was actually living in Chicago at the time. I was a model with the Shirley Hamilton Agency, and the audition came through there. Uh, it just came up as spokesmodel. I also I actually had two. Uh, I had an acting audition scheduled and then the spokesmodel category. And for some reason, my acting one got canceled or misplaced. And the only audition I actually did was for the spokesmodel category. So, okay, yeah, whatever. And I did get on the show, which was a thrill and a half. And they sent us to New York City to shoot our six videos because what they would do is they would, in anticipation of you winning, then they would have a video ready to go for the next show because they shot in like six show segments. That was my first experience. We went to New York and shot a bunch of different videos. It was really fun. Lots of fun. I met all my competition at once, which was interesting. And then they flew us out to Los Angeles to shoot the show. And the way it worked was, and I can't remember the name of the theater. It was on Sunset Boulevard. It was like shooting a sitcom. We went there in the morning and we got our instructions for the day. We went through several rehearsals. We went through costume and makeup checks. Uh, they fed us dinner on set. And then they brought in the audience. And the theater was, was large. I can't remember the capacity, but it was well over a 1,000 people. And so it was huge. And then, you, of course, you have the judges' table right in front. Uh, and I had never been on a competition show before, ever. I think the last thing I ever competed for was a spot for my junior high cheerleading squad, which I didn't get, by the way. So this was an interesting experience for me and to have it live. Yeah. So what they would do is the spokesmodel, we would have two commercial teasers. So they would introduce us. They'd show the, our, our lovely video that we did to the audience. And then it would be our job to give a, you know, next on Star Search 85, a little spiel for the camera. And what's interesting about all this is, you know, I'm, I was just a small little midtown girl from the Midwest. I was not a, a glamorous New York City model. And for the first several competitors, they were all really beautiful, tall. A lot of them were like six feet tall, and I'm only five six. So there was quite a difference in the way we looked when we walked out on stage. But I'll never forget that first time. When uh, we're standing there, of course, you know, after all the competitions, they bring the two of you out and they put you in front of the star screen and Ed's there. And then they reveal how many stars you got with the judges. You don't really know until Ed McMahon tells the audience, you know, and because your stars are being displayed behind you. So when he announced that I had won by, I think, like half a star, I was flabbergasted for one thing. It was it was quite the experience um, to win that show and then to be on it all that time. And I went to the semifinals for it, which was really cool. How was that interacting with uh, Ed McMahon? Oh, Ed was fine. He got my name wrong the first three weeks I was on the show. <laughs> I mean, how many times can you mess up AMY? I don't know, but it's fine. We didn't interact much, just on stage. And he was lovely. You know, it was a nice man to meet and, and to be on the show with. Uh, and then, like I said, the being on it and my last show, my my last regular season show, number six, uh, was the one I lost on. And this is what kickstarted my career. I was backstage, kind of bummed out, but I was watching the rest of the show. 
And afterwards, there's a, a woman walks up to me and she's, she was one of the judges. And she walks up to me and she has her card in her hand and she said, hi, my name is Sue Cameron. I'd like to represent you. Call me tomorrow. And I went, okay. I didn't know that kind of thing happened. So that's why I say it kickstarted my career because Sue was a, a part of leading artists at the time. And she brought me into a really strong agency. And that's when I started auditioning like crazy. So that whole experience just really was seminal to me becoming an actress in Hollywood. Had you had experience acting before that? Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Um, I've been an actor since God knows when. Uh, Elementary school, probably. I mean, that's when I first told my mother I was going to be a movie star. That was in second grade. No idea, you know, yeah. But that's all I've ever wanted to do. So all through elementary school, I was writing plays and singing in the choirs all through junior high and high school. And under my undergrad degree was in theater as an actor. I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York City for a year and studied there. And then my two subsequent graduate degrees have all been in theater. So I've never wanted to do anything else. Acting has always been my first love and always will be. So what were some of those early gigs like for you when you started to work with this new agency and and get out there and start doing all these auditions? That's a lovely time to remember for me because looking back on it, we were we were very busy, all of us, at the same age range and time. And it was a, a really busy time to be a part of Hollywood. And I refer to it now, looking back on it, as the last era of the working actor. We auditioned a lot and there was so much content out there on the major networks and in film to be a part of. And the auditions would be kind you know competition and but we we'd meet each other at these auditions and become friends because you go by type and one of my dearest friends in the world is someone i met through a series of auditions together but it was it was an amazing time to be a part of because my typical day as a young actor starting off with leading artists and i had an amazing commercial uh, agent as well commercials unlimited so i was going out commercially as well as theatrically and a typical day for me back then, I would have maybe three, four auditions in a day. And I would pack my bag in the morning with all the different outfits I'd need for the auditions, make sure I had all my headshots and resumes with me and my Thomas guide because I didn't know how to get around to Los Angeles because we didn't have internet and map quests and all that back then. You actually had to read a map. So my day would be spent going from audition and then maybe stopping at the farmer's market on 3rd and Fairfax and grabbing a lunch and changing clothes in the bathroom and then heading to the next one. It was an exciting time. And I I feel it was like that for, for most young actors at that time in the 80s, starting out like that. And then when I started to book the work, wow, that was um, just icing on top of all the cake. So, What were some of your favorite roles that you managed to land then? There have been so many. I... I've been lucky in my career not only to have worked on some of the projects I've worked with and some of the people I've worked with, but to have these wonderful roles and these experiences that for the majority of the experiences I've had shooting have been very positive and very wonderful, and I will hold them in my heart forever. Um, Probably my favorite uh, series that I got to work on was uh, playing Beth Dillon to James Arness's Matt Dillon in the Gunsmoke series. Uh, we did a series of four movies of the week, 
and they were westerns and historical and I got to ride horses and herd cattle and be on ranches and I got to ride in a real stagecoach back from the 1800s and it was just a magical experience in some of the most beautiful places in the southwest in this country and to play James Arness who who is an, a true Hollywood icon to play his daughter and then Michael Learned was my mother and on the first one we did, The Last Apache, Richard Kiley was um, one of the main characters, and he comes and rescues me. And this one part, he's he's on a horse, and he's supposed to rescue me, and I'm supposed to run up, and he grabs me, and he slings me onto the back of the horse, and off we go, right? Well, usually some people take care of that. We just do the you know the the part up to the leap, but he and I were so pumped while we were shooting that scene that. He says, get her up here, girl. And he extends his arm and I run and I leap and he grabs me and he almost got me onto the back of the horse all the way. <laughs> oh, if they had done it, we could have kept it. But unfortunately, I slid off the back. So <laughs> we had to do it over. But that, yeah, gun smoke, there's, there's just no replacing that kind of that kind of historical magic for me. Tell me about your experience with Bill and Ted's and especially about the audition experience. Bill and Ted was another another one of those that just Cinderella story, man. All three films. The first time I heard about Bill and Ted, I had I was on Days of Our Lives, and it was coming towards the end of my time on that show because they were shooting my character off the show. They didn't want her on there anymore, so my agents uh, started sending me out again on auditions as they knew I was getting off my regular job. So this audition for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure comes up, and like any other audition, you go and you, you do the work, you do the sides and you go home and you don't expect anything else to come out of it. You move on because if an actor goes on audition and does nothing but say, yeah, I was good. I'm going to get it. Forget it, man. You're never going to make it in this business. So you just, you do your best. You go home and you move on to the next thing. So the audition was the audition scene was the one where the phone booth lands behind her and all the historical figures come out and she meets them. And it's, there's not a lot of dialogue in that scene, and there's a lot of reaction shots. So it was fun to play around with, and you, there's a lot of improv involved in that scene. And it was a fun audition, and then, you know, I went home and didn't think much about it, and then I got a call back, so that was cool, and I went again. And then I got another one, and another one, and another one, and another one. I think I went back like six times for this part. And I don't know what was going through their minds, but every time I went back, there was a whole new list of beautiful stacked young women and here I am I was so flat chested in in my early adulthood that you know and, and Missy was is a bombshell there were all kinds of jokes about her chest and looking down her shirt and stuff and actually I think they had to end up cutting out a few of those after they cast me but that's okay I thought okay well they must like me for some reason and I always thought you know ever even though it's the same scene you're going back with time and time again I always try to find just something a little different, something a little different in the character to do that is a little surprising or a little subtle. And I think that's what finally got me the part is I made them laugh and they liked me. And so that's, I think, why I got the part. And I'm only guessing on this too, but Missy, if you read her, could, if you just read her, could come across as, and I hate this expression, but here, here it goes, as a quote, dumb blonde. Um, no, 
That's so wrong. And it's so wrong for her, the character. She's not a dumb blonde. I did not play her as an airhead. I played her as a very caring and interesting person who all these interesting figures are coming out of this phone booth and they're just fascinating and she just wants to meet them. So I think that might have been a factor in it too. So, and then I got the part. So yay. Right. I mean, other than Bill's dad wanting to sleep with you on his bed, I mean, there aren't a lot of moments where Missy is being used as a joke. She seems more like a friend to Bill. Yes. Yeah, I would agree with that. Definitely. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. A lot of people have brought up that scene where now your dad's going for it in your own room. But the thing is, if that little moment hadn't been there, then some of the most iconic lines in the film wouldn't be there where they're walking down the stairs. And you remember when we asked her to prom? Shut up, Ted. I mean, that's one of the best exchanges, right? You know, sometimes the scene feeds into the next. But I don't think in, in any of the other films, they thought of her as a joke. So I like that expression. Thank you. That she's more of a friend. And I like that too. Do I remember right that Bill and Ted was in danger of actually not even coming out for a while? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We all, we all talk about that lovely experience. Um, we shot it and then heard nothing about it. And then the production company actually went bankrupt. Um, and so our little film Ended up in a vault somewhere, uncut, just, you know, in reels. And it took two, I think around two years for all the litigation to be over with. And then, so in order to pay off their debt, this production company opened up their vault and people could come in and take whatever they wanted as reparations. So I think Nelson Entertainment is the one that finally found Bill and Ted's. And then Orion Pictures got involved and they cut it together and threw it out there and it ended up to be their top grossing film of the year. So who could tell, right? That's the part of the Cinderella story I was talking about earlier. We went to the ball and then the ball was over and we sat in the vault for two years, but then we were released. Wow. You know? So that's been, that was, I wouldn't have it any other way. I really wouldn't. I think that's just so apropos and so perfect for Bill and Ted. So what was that like for you when this movie that you had done a few years before that I wouldn't say you'd forgotten about it by any means, but when suddenly it is now out and becomes this major hit? To be honest, yeah, I kind of did forget about it because it's what I was trying to tell you about. You shoot things all the time that that never see the light of day. So you're kind of used to it as an actor. And after two years, you know, a lot had changed. I had been on Dallas. I'd gotten married. Uh, and then all of a sudden, our little we get the call. Our little new film is coming out. So yeehaw! Um, and I talked. I think I don't know how I got in touch with the producers. I think I had my agents get in touch with the producers and say, "Well, I'm married now. I'd like to use my married name instead of my maiden name in the credits." I wanted to surprise my husband with that. That was the biggest change. And and then it was like, "Oh, good. Okay, we'll go see it." And then for it to succeed the way it did, that was surprising. I think that kind of shocked all of us. And uh, and then two years later, here we are making Bogus Journey. So that was cool. And now 32 years later, we're making some music. It's been quite a ride. I am curious about that. How long after Excellent Adventure comes out before you get the call of, hey, we want to do a sequel? I mean, was it right away or was there a little bit of time that elapsed? Yeah, no, there was some time that elapsed. I believe there. I believe it was a couple of years because I think uh, Excellent Adventure came out in 89 uh, and then Bogus Journey, I think, was released in 91. Yeah, 91. Yeah, so it was about maybe about a year, year and a half before 
I got word that we were doing this again. And so, again, that's another part of the Cinderella thing. Bogus Journey had trouble getting made. I, I don't think people, producers or whoever, weren't all that interested in it because it was a lot darker than the first one. But that's what its charm is, is that it's a, it's not just a putting them in the same situation. Ed and Chris came up with a whole different situation for these guys. So that's what sold it. And that's why I think fans really liked it, too. So what's that like going back, getting the word, yes, there's going to be a third Bill and Ted after so many decades now? Do you even believe it when you get the call? I That was amazing. And again, it was something I'd been hearing rumors about for probably, God, six, seven years, probably. You know, as soon as uh, even an inkling comes out that there might be a third one, the fans, God bless them, get on board and start really calling for a third one. So, and Alex is the first one to say, hey, this got made a lot because the fans didn't want to go quietly. They wanted a third one. So I started hearing some rumors about it, but you know, the rumors, you just, you move on. Like I said, it's, it's the actor's attitude. You move on. You don't count on anything in this business. And I think it was, well, for sure, it was probably about three years ago. I was back in Los Angeles and I was down at Comic-Con down in Anaheim uh, with Boom Studios, and they were promoting their line of Bill and Ted comic books. And they asked me, would you come down and, and be in our booth and sign autographs? I said, sure, of course I would. So, and that was my first time going to a Comic-Con. Man, that was an experience, but that's for another discussion. Uh, and then at the booth was Brian Lynch, the writer of uh, Minions and Secret Life of Pets. He's really a cool guy. Nice to be there with him. But also Scott Kroof, the original producers on all of these, he was there. And we hadn't seen each other since Bogus Journey. And we were so excited to see each other. And it was so nice catching up. But at one point during that day, he leaned over to me and he just whispered, so we have a third script and you're in it. And I just exploded. I was so excited. I had to I had to leave the table. I had to run up to the lobby and call my son right away and just go, Bobby, guess what? Oh, my God. I was so excited. And then, you know, so that was three years ago. And then another year, two years goes by, and you don't hear anything. And then last spring, spring of 2019, uh, all of a sudden on Facebook, here comes this little blip with um, Alex and Keanu, and they're in front of the Hollywood Bowl. And they kind of unofficially announced that they're going to be shooting a movie this summer, last summer. And I saw that. I think it came out in March. And I saw that and I went, oh, I, they're shooting the movie. Oh, I wonder if I'm still in it. Oh, maybe they changed their mind. You know, all that kind of stuff. Because I hadn't heard anything. So I was bummed out for like a whole day because I, I still didn't hear anything. And all of a sudden I get this email from Scott Kroof. And he said, I've been trying to get a hold of you on your phone. Did you change your number? And of course I had. And I just went, oh, my God. So he gave me his number. I called him right back. I said, yes. He goes, yeah, we're on. Are you in? I went, yes. <laughs> so that was it. I heard we were doing it. And uh, then all the agents get involved. And, uh, and we shot the thing last summer down in Nolan. So cool. How was that revisiting this character after three decades? That was very interesting. It was very interesting. Uh, I am revisiting the character, but I'm not trying to be her as a younger woman. Well, I'm not trying to be her as a younger woman. The character itself, the outer look of the character has to reflect the younger character, unfortunately for me. But 
in terms of playing her, no, I just kind of played her as I always have, as to as kind of who I am now. We'll see. I don't know. I've not seen it. It'll be very interesting to see if any of that comes across. It was tough, and I will not lie. It was very tough. I shot the first one in my late 20s. I'm now in my early 60s, and things change a lot. So I was apprehensive about how the way I look was going to be received. And then, of course, they had to do some things for the character to make me look like the character again. Uh, so, yeah, I was I was apprehensive. Um, I'm much older now, and it was kind of weird for me to experience that because I'm not you know, vain or anything like that. But man, I will tell you, it really did affect me as an older woman going, wow, I hope people don't expect me to look like I did when I was 28, because that would hurt, you know? So yeah, I was a little concerned, but I get to my first day of shooting, I get on the set, after all the hair and makeup and costume checks and all that wonderful stuff, thankfully, the camera wasn't on me for the first part of the day. It was on the two guys and it was on other people. And so I could sit back off camera and I could watch how they worked together again. And I could practice my reactions and, you know, listen to what they were saying and react. So that helped me quite a lot to be able to ease back into it. But as soon as I saw the two guys up there again, after one or two takes, it was like, oh, my God, they're still Bill and Ted. They're still so cute. So it was um, it was just it was it was great. I felt, wow, OK. This is old home week. It's like riding a bike. Here we go. So it was a lot of fun. It's got to make you feel so bad. I mean, Keanu Reeves has like formaldehyde for blood. The guy never ages. I know. He's amazing. So is Alex. They both look incredible. They look incredible. But, you know, whatever. We are who we are, and we age as we age. And it has a lot to do with my, my Polish-German heritage, I have a feeling. But now it doesn't bother me. Now it's like I had so much fun shooting, and I hope... Just personally speaking, the joy we had in filming this film comes across, and I hope that's what the fans pick up with, because we did. We had fun. I hope that watching this movie, especially in this day and age, when we all could just sit down and use a good laugh, I hope that's what we can achieve with this film, and I think we all need it at this point. I look forward to seeing the movie tomorrow when it's available. Cool. I've already ordered my copy. I'm hoping to Zoom with my family and friends tomorrow night. I mean, the Zoom stuff is pretty crappy. Yeah, if this is what we got, this is what we got. You know, what can you say?
rock and roll to me. Keep rock and roll to everyone. God gave rock and roll to you. Keep rock and roll to me. Say rock and roll for everyone. Say rock and roll. Tough. And I know life sometimes can be a drag, but people, we have been. Been. 